This is the FutureX Podcast. In each episode, we interview a platform designer, author, or publisher. They'll talk about how to build online communities that are diverse, welcoming, and safe. Now, here's your host, Lee Schneider. This is FutureX. I'm Lee Schneider. In today's episode, you'll meet Rod Faulkner, a self-professed blurred black nerd, founder of TheSeventhMatrix.com and host of Eye on Sci-Fi Podcast. He's a lifelong lover of science fiction and fantasy. So, Rod, thanks so much for joining me today on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Let's start at the beginning. Why did you decide to start The Seventh Matrix? Okay. Well, my origin story, as it may, starts way back in 2013. So it's already been 10 years. I just now realized that. But I've always loved science fiction and fantasy in our media ever since I was a child. And back in 2013, I was acquainted with a gentleman who had his own science fiction podcast. It's now defunct. And we became acquaintances and we were talking just unofficially off the record one day. And I had a habit of visiting YouTube on my leisure time. And I would discover, Lee, all of these fantastic science fiction and fantasy short films That would be anywhere from a few minutes, maybe five minutes to up to 20, 25 minutes long. Excellent quality, fantastic stories. No one was talking about this. So I would share this with my acquaintance. And he said one day, you know what, Rod, you should start a website. And I thought, that's a good idea. And so at that time, I liked IO9, the science fiction blog. I don't know if you've heard of them. Sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so they were one of my favorite destinations to go to for SFF News, and I liked their name. And I thought, okay, what am I going to name this blog? That's how it all got started. And so I thought, I don't want to name it Science Fiction Short Film Blog. That's too generic. So I thought, well, my favorite all-time science fiction film is The Matrix that came out in 1999. And my favorite number is seven. So I combined the two and came up with the seventh matrix. And that's how it all got started. And what I would do is these short films that I was really impressed by, I would do kind of like reviews. I call them spotlights and I would post them on the blog. And so I did that. And then in 2018, I thought, you know what, it's time to start a podcast because I think that would be a natural evolution of what I'm already doing. And podcasts are more popular now, and I think they're more dynamic. And so in 2018, I launched Ion Sci-Fi Podcast. So there's a couple of moving parts to this. What gets Mm -hmm. the most attention, and what do you like doing the most? The podcast, by far, gets the most attention, and Mm -hmm. I like doing that. So it's odd that you ask me, because a couple of years ago, I decided to just mainly focus primarily on Ion Sci-Fi, The Seventh Matrix still exists, and all of those reviews are archived for anyone to access. But now I do the podcast because not only can I share, and I feel as though I'm talking to other fans by doing the podcast, but, and I didn't intend to do this in the beginning of the podcast, but now I occasionally have filmmakers and other independent creators who work in the speculative space on, and I get a chance to talk to them about their stories, their creative process. It's been really fun and fulfilling. That sounds pretty cool. Now, do you have, um, how do you get the people, when you ask for an interview, do you just ask and say, hi, it's me, or are people coming to you? Well, it's interesting. When I first started, I sought people out. 
And that took a lot of courage. Um, these filmmakers, I would contact them. And many independent filmmakers are pretty easy to contact because they realize that they have to get the word out about their work. And unfortunately, they don't have the backing of a Hollywood studio or a network. And so I would reach out to them and say, hey, I'm Rod. And this is what I do at the Seventh Matrix. I love your work. Would you mind coming on or would you mind me actually doing a spotlight on the site? And uh, the majority of them were amiable. But now what's happening is I guess my reputation now is renowned in those circles. And so they are coming to me. And I think that's just so gratifying and so rewarding when I get those emails saying, hey, I have this short film or sometimes it's some other type of media, but it's in the speculative space. Can I come on your show, Rod? Sure. That's wonderful. That's really great. I'm curious, too, about the short film focus, because mm -hmm. when we think of sci-fi, often we think of, you know, the big epic kind of movies and even superhero movies and things like that, to focus on short films. I know that it, they attracted you, but could you dig mm -hmm. into that a little bit more? Like, why short films? That's a great question. Short films attracted me because I found specifically in the speculative genres, they were telling stories that we're not seeing on the mainstream. As you just pointed out, most Hollywood studios, because show business is a business, they want to find intellectual properties that they can build franchises of. And so, of course, properties like Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, Star Trek, and the Marvel superhero films are beloved around the world. People are familiar with them. And so the studios are thinking, okay, let's go ahead and keep churning this out. But the most unique and original science fiction and fantasy narratives in my opinion, are being told by independent filmmakers in the short film space. And another reason that I'm attracted to that medium is because they only have a few minutes to tell their story. It forces them to be succinct. It forces them to make bold choices about how they convey the narrative that they're trying to tell audiences. And it's a magical thing because if you watch a short film, Lee, pretty much within the first minute, you will know if it's for you or not. And when that film grabs you and tells the complete story and you look at the clock and you're thinking, OK, they've told a complete story with all the visual effects and set pieces that a bloated two, two and a half hour film does. It's magnificent. And I think that's a talent in and of itself. And that's another reason why I want to showcase these filmmakers, because that's remarkable to be able to do that and to do that effectively. Yeah, I was going to ask that, and you anticipated my question, which is, it's a lot easier if you have more time. If you have 10 minutes, 20 minutes, two hours, three hours, Avatar, four hours, whatever long it takes those films right. to spool out their story. But to compress your story into a few minutes really means you have to be on your game. Absolutely. It forces the filmmaker and the crew and the cast to really, really be concerned with what are they trying to convey in this story? What are the themes? What are the messaging? And when it works, it works extremely well. And then when you go and look at a feature film, it kind of gives you insight into how easily when you have a big budget, 
that, and I'm sure most of us, if we were in those positions, we would do that too. When we have a vision, you know, you kind of get into the self-indulgent territory <laughs> and there's a lot of fad and sure. wow, let's just wow the audience with all these spectacular visuals. But in the short film world, they don't have that luxury because of time and often too, because of lack of resources. And that can be lack of resources can be a creative constraint. If you don't have a bazillion dollar special effects budget, you're going to have to think of some amazing things with your actors, with your script, with just what you've got. Absolutely. And these filmmakers, you know, they say necessity is the mother of invention. And these mm -hmm. indie filmmakers prove it. It is astonishing. And of course, technology has advanced to the point that with our smartphones and with all the apps and the software that's available with computers, you can still get a pretty good looking sci-fi short film out and not spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on it. As a matter of fact, there's a filmmaker that uh, is a favorite of mine. He's been on my podcast numerous times named Anthony Ferraro. And each of his films, if you watch them, you would think that he was given hundreds of thousands of dollars to hmm. produce it. And he has a YouTube channel where he goes through and he teaches indie filmmakers from concept to outline to script to the final product, how to DIY a sci-fi short film. That's what he specializes in. So it's possible. Wow. I'll have to check that out and I'll include that in the show links. That sounds really, in the show notes, sure. that sounds really amazing. So thinking about Anthony's films or any of these films, you've seen many of them. What are the ingredients for success? Is it as simple as saying you need a great script? Or is it the way it looks and feels, less tangible things? If you were looking at your, you know, your uh, vast database in your mind of these films you've seen, what are the commonalities yeah. that make them good for you? One commonality is that the filmmaker needs to have a clear vision. They need to know what they want, and they need to be able to convey that to their production team. That's first and foremost. So if they don't know what they want, it kind of shows up on screen when you can see that they maybe borrow from other properties um, and try to include that because they think that's what the audience wants. So they need to have a clear voice and they need to have a clear vision. And then it does start with the script. You have to still have a good script. Even if your short film is five minutes long, it needs to have a definitive theme and a direction so that the audience knows, okay, what is this story about? And who are the characters? And world building is also important. And you can do world building in a five minute short film, believe it or not. So mm -hmm. all those things that are really imperative to having a successful feature, you need to do that same pattern in a short film. It's just you have less time. It's just more succinct. <laughs> Absolutely. And then the characters. Yeah, the characters are also mm -hmm. important too, to have very fleshed out characters that the audience can connect with. That's also important. And what about the power of genres? Often when we're trying to grab people quickly, we'll mm -hmm. put the film in a box. It'll be a murder mystery. It'll be a mystery. It'll be an adventure story. Or maybe even there's more climate dramas and climate related. Right. I saw one on your site, which I really liked. Do you mm -hmm. think that genres are 
boosted in a sense in the in this short film realm or can it really be anything it can really be anything i have seen short mm. films that are not in the speculative genres like just straight dramas or mysteries or mm. what have you but it's something about science fiction and fantasy the power of those genres to ask the question what if that I think really viscerally attracts us to that genre. And it is mm -hmm. how science fiction often can be used to hold up a mirror to what is going on in our current society. But it is set in a setting that is so distant or so fantastical that people are more willing to accept that commentary than if it were just a straight drama. Yeah, I'm very interested in that because science fiction, as you said, is... A mirror. It's often people may think of it as a predictor, but it's really not a predictor so much as it is an indicator of the present. And it's a way to look at what, what's going on now, but in a completely turned around way that, as you said, makes us think about it or feel it differently. Uh, why do you think that works? And what is successful about that? Well, first, I'm going to disagree with you. I do huh. think that part of the power of science fiction is that it is a predictor. And I'm going to use a classic example, Star Trek, the original series back in the 60s. That show is beloved and it has inspired so many people to go into science and the STEM careers. And if you look at that show, like the communicators they had that were flip up. And then we had for a while those clamshell flip up cell phones. And captain has to sign off on the reports on this little pad-like device. And Uhura has a wireless earpiece as she sits in the communication station. And Star Trek is just one of many examples of not only technology, but also how sometimes science fiction can be eerily prescient. There is a um, 90s science fiction television series named Babylon 5. And one of the main mm -hmm. subplots of that series is that in the 23rd century in which the show is set, Earth is under one government. And there is this populist demagogue that rises to power. And when he takes over EarthGov, the Earth quickly falls under fascism. This was in the 90s. And if you fast forward to now and what we're dealing with societally, especially here in the United States, it, it feels like someone just kind of went into a time machine and looked and saw what the future may hold. So I do think that science fiction does have a predictor um, element to it that attracts people. And I just think that people, if they can suspend their disbelief in a science fiction or fantasy setting, then you can kind of slide in themes that are more contemporary and they're more willing to accept that than if you're just straight in your face with a drama or a mystery that's in a world that is familiar to us, then people kind of tend to reject, you know, preaching, um, you know, sermonizing in their entertainment. So I think that you can get away with that more so in sci-fi events. Cool. Very well put. Yeah, totally agree with that. Uh, how do you accept viewer input? And what I mean by that is, you know, if the community is going and there, there's got to be dialogue, otherwise, if it's rarely a successful community is a one way convo, something mm -hmm. is happening. So how do you accept viewer input or reader input? And 
Are there ways that you found successful to dialogue with members of the community? That's the easy question. Social media. Social mm -hmm. media is where I have met not only filmmakers um, in a speculative space, but fellow science fiction fans. And they either will see a post of something that I have placed in social media or they come across my work and they will either look me up and we will dialogue over social media. And I find that that has been the most rewarding. I used to have a comment section on my blog, but I deactivated that in lieu of just putting the conversation onto social media. Uh, unfortunately, I used to be on Twitter. I'm not on Facebook, um, but because of principle, due to the change of ownership of Twitter, I've moved away from that. And that was a hard decision because I've made so many relationships with people there. But uh, I'm on Mastodon and I'm on TikTok, which that's just as surprised to me as anybody else. And I find that that dialogue with people who discover my work and filmmakers who I may meet, it's really dynamic. And, and it also has served to help me to find content for the podcast and the website. So I, it's wonderful. I can say... Agree. Uh, I found you and you found me on Bastodon. So it's out oh, there. That's right. You know? That's <laughs> yeah. right. It's out there. You know, uh, a lot of people would want to know how you keep a community welcoming, diverse, mm -hmm. feeling safe. Uh, there, I'm, I'm sure there's no, you know, simple solution to that. But mm -hmm. if I were to ask you, how would you consider keeping a community safe, welcoming, and diverse, what would you say? I would say that, well, first of all, I am Black. And so part of my mission is to elevate voices in independent film who are from marginalized communities, whether it be LGBT plus or the disabled community, which still doesn't get enough representation, my own. So in terms of keeping my community safe, I have a no tolerance policy when it comes to bigots, racists, trolls. I don't engage. I know other creators will, and that's their right and their choice. But for me, life's too short, and I don't want to expose the people who support me and my work to that, because most of these elements, these trolls that come into our space, it's not in good faith. They want to cause confusion, confusion and mm -hmm. so discord. Best thing to do, just block, keep it moving. Yeah, that's good advice. So looking ahead, where do you see the seventh matrix in five years or so? What are your hopes and dreams? Where is it going? Well, you know what? That's a difficult question. The future mm -hmm. is so uncertainly, but all I want to do is continue my work in promoting these independent filmmakers. And I don't think that that need is going to go away, unfortunately, because, again, many of these filmmakers just don't have a lot of resources to market and promote their work. They've already done the hard part of creating and producing the film, but then they have to promote it. And so if I can help them in some way to reach a larger audience, then I will. And five years from now, I just want sci-fi and fantasy fans to think of the seventh matrix announced sci-fi as a discovery source where they can go and if they want to find a unique story um, that's not being told anywhere else from voices that are usually not heard in the mainstream you know what why don't you go over and check out ion sci-fi in the seventh matrix so if i can get to that point of recognition yeah I, that's a dream come true for me
Awesome. Uh, is there anything else that uh, I didn't mention that you'd like to leave folks with? I do. I do. For anyone who is listening to the sound of my voice or watching this video, if you want to become a filmmaker, you have that burning desire in your heart. And I have spoken to many independent filmmakers who are doing just that. Don't wait for permission. Don't let gatekeepers stop you. Again, as I mentioned earlier, with the resources you already have, your smartphone in your pocket, you can go and make a sci-fi short film. And you never know where your voyage would take you, but you've got to make that first step. So go for it. Beautiful. Where can people find you? Yeah, the best place to find me is um, I've got a, like an online hub and it said bio.site forward slash ion sci-fi. If everyone will go to that website, you will find my social media presences. You will also find my work on the Seventh Matrix and how you can support the podcast and the website. Well, Rod, thanks so much for joining me today on the show. This was a lot of fun. Appreciate it. Yeah, I've really had a good time. Lee, thank you for inviting me on. And I really appreciate the work that you and Futurex Podcast are doing. So I really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us on the Future X Podcast. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Google, or anywhere fine podcasts appear in your feed. For more info about Future X, visit futurex.studio.